Hey everyone, hope you're having a good night or a good evening wherever you are and uh, I'm excited to uh, begin this Friday again, um, this Friday night with talking about prophecy uh, with current events as we usually do every Friday. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. It'll be me tonight, as you guys know. It's usually me and Brother Stefan that partner up every Friday night to talk about current events and land about prophecy. Um, but this Friday is a very uh, special Friday for Brother Stefan because he's celebrating him and his uh, family are celebrating his wife's birthday. Uh, so definitely give um, Brother Stefan a message and, you know, let him know happy birthday to his wife. So he's spending time with his wife right now. So it'll just be me doing this right now. So just we'll just uh, wait a little bit longer to see who else will join. Um, right now be doing this and yeah and as usual guys if you're new here or if you're not Christian you just want to give a brief overview concerning what is free tree watches about what do we do uh, we focus on about prophecy and apologetics again every Friday we come here talk about current events lab about prophecy and then every month we talk about apologetics which means to just give a defense of the faith uh, so we'll focus on uh, subjects like other religions we'll focus on subjects um, like um, just how to speak to non-believers concerning your faith. Um, so that's what uh, our passion is about here and concern about prophecy specifically. We talk about the about prophecy for two reasons. One, to encourage fellow believers concerning the times we're living in because there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I even talked to a few of my coworkers this week, um, just trying to, you know, share the gospel, just trying to just be a light, you know, plant some seeds. And we talk about current events and even they as, as non-Christians, right? They're non-Christians. Um, they still see that something is going on, especially these past three years or so. It's been really wild, right? So everyone sees that something's going on. So this is a time for us uh, to really key into that understanding and then use the understanding people have that, hey, something's going on, the world's crazy, the world's flipping upside down, to then point them to Christ. Yes, that's true, but the Bible has said this is what the end times will look like. Therefore, believe in Jesus Christ for your hope, right? So that's the kind of thing we want to do. Um, so for believers, you want to point people to the gospel using current events. That's what we're doing here. Um, so yeah, and then my week has been pretty good. Um, on Thursday, I'm going to Revive Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Thursday, we had an Understand the Times uh, about Prophecy event, and that's something that we put on every other month um, with my pastor, Mark Henry, and he has his own ministry, Mark Henry Ministries, and partners with um, Jan Markell. From Olive Tree Ministries, so they had Pastor Billy Crone come to the church, um, and it was just a great encouragement because I love those events because fellow believers can come together. You know, we're really in the minority nowadays, right? And I'm sure a lot of you guys understand that. Uh, not only firm, solid believers who stand on God's word, who seek the Lord, who love the Lord, um, but those believers who also understand Bible prophecy, want it preached, want it taught, want to hear more about it. Uh, we're very much so in the minority, right? So just events like that, the Understand the Times events or about Prophecy Conferences is such an encouragement to me. And I went to it on Thursday, like I said, um, because it's like, man, you know, gathering fellow believers who also believe the same thing, who are seeing the same thing, that's encouraging. And it also gives me a refound, like, uh, refound hope, refound um, just a fire in me, a passion to share the gospel, to just be about the Father's business. Um, it, it rekindles an understanding within me that time is short. And that's kind of why I'm just sharing um, that I went to that event on Thursday to just kind of communicate to you guys that time is short, guys. And this is kind of why Brother Stefan and I 
get together to talk about these things with you guys to communicate the message that time is short. We have to be about the Father's business. We have to know what we're doing. All right, we can't be uh, slacking off anymore. Um, so I just want to share a verse that kind of uh, keys into that message in Romans 13. Um, in Romans 13, verses 1 to 7, Paul talks about the governing authorities. So I'm just trying to lay the, the context here because I really want to focus on verses 11 to 13. Um, but the context is in the first seven verses, he talks about honoring the governing authorities because um, God ultimately is the one that sets up government and the governing authorities, right? And in verses 8 to 10 of Romans 13, he commands us to love. He exhorts us to love because it's one of the commandments. It, it fulfills the law, essentially. And that's what Jesus Christ says. You know, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then in Romans 11, or Romans 13, 11 to 13, this is why I want to get at. He said here, do this, knowing the time that it was already the hour for you to waken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to us lusts. So that's kind of why I share this story concerning the Bible prophecy um, event. Um, it just that it rekindles a fire within us. When we go to those kind of events, we're with fellow believers who believe the same thing, see the same thing. We're like, man, like this is so encouraging. It gives us fire to go back home, go back to our communities and preach the gospel and, and use our time effectively, right? And Paul talks about this as well. He says, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. Um, so basically, as we see these events going on in our, in our world, uh, it points obviously to the soon return of Jesus Christ, right? Um, so that means we, we can't be playing around anymore. We can't let... We can't basically be playing around with our sin nature anymore. We have to make sure we we are, are living in self-control, living pure lives. And I'm speaking to myself as well. I'm not speaking to you guys as if, I, as if I have this nailed down, as if I'm a perfect Christian or anything like that. I struggle day to day. I need the Lord, Lord's help day to day. So I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you guys. But we're trying to encourage each other here. So that's kind of how I want to start this. I want to start this with our understanding that we talk about these news events, knowing that it points us to the return of the Lord, that the hour is near, you know, he says in verse 12, Romans 13, the night is almost gone, the day is near. So we're like at that last stretch, right? We're running this race, we're almost there. It's almost it's almost uh, time, right? Um, so we just have to keep running with full strength, keep seeking the Lord in this, right? And again, for those non-believers, if you're watching this and you're not Christian, um, I just want to encourage you to listen to the rest of this because we're going to be going through a lot of news events. We're going to be going through, you know, what's going on with Russia, Ukraine. Um, is, is Russia going to use nukes? Is it going to be Armageddon? You know, Biden said um, that, oh, wow, it's going to be Armageddon if he uses nukes. Well, is that really true? What should we do? Should we be afraid? How should we, you know, interact with that piece of news? So I will definitely recommend you guys, encourage you guys to listen uh, to the rest of this. But before going to those news events, though, as usual... I'm going to start in prayer, and then we're going to get into it. Uh, so, Father, Lord, we just thank you for getting us through another week. Uh, we just thank you uh, for the strength you give us, Lord. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. Uh, we just pray that you remind us not to take that for granted. I just pray over me uh, today, Lord, as I go through these news events, as I go through uh, Scripture, that you just uh, guide me, Lord, that you just guide my mouth, that you just give me a message that you want 
uh, everyone who's listening to this now or after the fact, who's watching this now or after the fact, Lord, um, that you just give me a message that you want them to hear, Lord. I simply pray that you use me um, as, a, as a means to deliver the message that you want, as a means to encourage your children, Lord, um, that they don't see me, but that they get the word, that I point them to Christ, Lord. That's, that's the goal of this. And I pray that for those who haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, whether they're watching this, someone sent them this link and they're wondering, you know, what's this about? You know, I don't care about the rapture or anything like that, Lord. Um, this is not by coincidence. Um, you, everything that happens in this world, Lord, is, is by your sovereign hand, Lord. So I just pray that your Holy Spirit convicts them for their need to be saved, uh, convicts them of their need to believe in your sons, put their faith in your son's sacrifice on the cross for their sins, Lord. So I pray that there's just a general encouragement for all of us uh, that we gain something, Lord, and, and we're just encouraged after listening to this and, and after this time. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get started, guys. So the first thing I want to touch on that I actually wanted to touch on Brother Stefan last week, but we couldn't get to it, is about mocking and scoffing. Um, last week, Harbinger's Daily um, actually posted an article. Actually, let me get let me backtrack a little bit because CNN. So the Harbinger's Daily did an article concerning an article that CNN did. So CNN, if you guys saw, they they posted an article titled "For Some Christians." rapture anxiety can take a lifetime to heal um so a lot of us saw that and we we're just like oh my gosh you know cnn you know fake news all these things um i actually had fun with it <laughs> and i'll explain myself i had fun with it because i'm not uh th these articles shouldn't surprise us and i'll get into why that is later um i actually have fun with this knowing what i you know with my understanding about prophecy with my understanding of what I should be expecting concerning the times we're living in. So when I see articles like this, I'm just like, oh, it's expected. And I have fun with it. And when I say I have fun with it, what I mean is I kind of debunk these kind of, uh, the claims they make in these kind of articles. Because obviously this article from CNN, I'm going to read some piece of it. They're essentially saying that the rapture isn't true. You can't find it in the Bible. Uh, it causes anxiety and this and that. And it's just a lot of, it's just a lot of false statements, a lot of false beliefs, incorrect understanding of scripture. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised. I already know that, that that's going to be the case going into an article like this. Um, but I really want to deal with this for a bit. Um, one, to, to just demystify, you know, whatever confusion people may have who aren't aware of what Bible prophecy is. You know, some believers might see this. Some Christians truly might see this and might be confused. Like, oh, is, is the rapture not real? Is it truly not found in the Bible? So I want to just take some time to deal with that. Um, and to talk about this properly. And then for, you know, Christian or people who aren't Christian, they might read this and be like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And just kind of roll their eyes and move on, not knowing that there's another side to the story, right? That nope, many of these things that this article is saying is either false or Christians don't, you know, espouse those views. So it's really important, I believe, to address these claims that are being made here. Um, from a biblical perspective, right? Truly, a true biblical perspective, truly uh, analyzing what scripture says. So I'll read parts of this. Again, this is from CNN. They posted this September 27th. So that was last week. The headline is, for some Christians, rapture, quote, rapture anxiety can take a lifetime to heal. So, I'll, so how I'm going to do this is I'm going to read some of these quotes. And it's a long article. So I encourage you guys um, to read this article for yourselves as usual after... Uh, every IGTV live that we do, we upload the the podcast on 
major podcasting platforms. And then we also upload the notes that we use in our Telegram channel. So you can find all the sources that I reference in those notes on the Telegram channel. So you can read this for yourself. But I'll just take some piece of this that I analyzed on my Instagram story last week um, and talk about this. So I'll read the article and then I'll read my analysis of this. So a piece of the, they said, they start off saying, from the moment they're old enough to understand, millions of people raised in Christian, certain Christian communities are taught that the rapture is something that can happen at any time. But though there are different schools of thought as to how such an event would go, the basic idea is the same righteous, and, and listen to this, they said, righteous Christians ascend to heaven while the rest are left behind to suffer. However it happens, it is something to be feared and welcomed to be prayed about and prepared for every minute of a believer's life. So that's the first thing that really struck out to me when I read this. And I was like, whoa, red flags there. What do you mean that's the basic thought behind the rapture? Um, and this is my commentary on it that I did on my story uh, last week. I said, so first thing I wanted to point out is that the author essentially chose to use the partial rapture as a defin definition of what I guess in their book, Fundamentals slash Evangelical Christians Believe the Rapture to Be. So for those who don't know what a partial rapture is, it's literally what they said. The partial rapture view, which is believed by some Christians, but it's not a predominant view. It's not a widely held belief view um, because they said here, the basic idea, basic idea is the same. They're saying that the basic idea of the rapture is this, righteous Christians ascend to heaven while the rest are left behind. Uh, that is not the basic idea of the rapture. That is a small belief. That is a small view um, that people hold within the, you know, the doctrine of the rapture, right? It's not that common, but people do hold it. And many people who don't hold this view say that it's false. It's incorrect. It's not what the Bible says. So the partial rapture view is just that, that holy Christians, Christians who are watching for Lord, Christians who are living holy, when the Lord comes, take them, he takes them into the air and he leaves the rest of the Christians on the earth to suffer the tribulation. That's what they're saying the basic idea of the rapture is. So that's a obviously false start right there, right? That's not, that's not true. So I go on with my commentary. I said, righteous Christians ascending to heaven while the rest are left behind is a partial rapture, which many Christians don't even think accurately reflects, reflects scripture. So first strike there already. That's not the basic idea at all. Um, so second portion of this article, they said, quote, rapture anxiety, as it is often called, is recognized by some faith experts and mental health professionals as a type of religious trauma. Darren Slay, the president and CEO of the Global Center for Religious Research, has been studying religious trauma across several faiths and denominations for years. Quote, this is a real thing. It's a chronic problem. He says of rapture anxiety, quote, this is a new era of study. But in general, our research has revealed that religious trauma leads to an increase of anxiety, depression, paranoia, and even some OCD-like behaviors. Now listen to this part. This part is important. Quote, I need to say this prayer of salvation so many times. I need to confess my sins so often. Now imagine, he continues, you are taught that at any minute you could be left here on earth. What does that do to the teenager who just had premarital sex or even simply took the Lord's name in vain? Uh, experience like this, a latent fear of impending inevitable end, are very common among communities of religious survivors. So essentially, they're saying that, oh no, you know, this rapture view that you're holding, it breeds this rapture anxiety. It breeds depression, anxiety. Well, why? They say why? Because people who have this anxiety about the rapture, they essentially believe, I need to say a prayer of salvation so many times, I need to confess my sins so often. Um, and this is the commentary I said concerning that. I said, it's unfortunate if there are actually people that have anxiety due to the view of the rapture they hold, 
But as you read the article, you quickly come to realize whatever views deep being described here that gave people, quote, rapture anxiety or depression, whatever, aren't biblically accurate. And again, I started this saying that a lot of these, a lot of the times when you read articles like this concerning a view of scripture, you know, or specifically in this case, a view of Bible prophecy um, by a secular news source like CNN, it's not correct. They, they totally misrepresent it. They, you know, they quote some person who, you know, was a Christian 20 years ago, but now they're like, you know, they're totally left the faith and this and that. And they, and they quote them as if they're some religious source, but they don't even like quote the scriptures correctly. They miss. So it's just, it's just a hot mess, right? So we shouldn't be surprised that they're not, you know, that they don't even talk about this in the correct way. Um, what they're essentially talking about here is a works-based system, right? That somehow you have to, you believe that you have to do good. You have to pray, pray your salvation so many times. You have to, uh, I need to confess my sins so often. That's works-based. You have to do something to kind of merit favor in the eyes of God. That's a total misrepresentation of what the gospel even is, let alone what the rapture is, right? Uh, so I said it's not even biblically accurate. Essentially, they talk about a works-based system. You need to do good, or in their example, say a prayer of salvation many times, confess your sins so often so you don't end up missing the rapture. And then I said this, what I always say concerning any aspect of Bible prophecy is that Bible prophecy correctly taught, and that's that's the key word there, correctly taught and correctly understood leads to joy, hope, encouragement, holy living, etc. So what we're seeing here by these people, if they're real or not, I'm, you know, I'm, the goal of this isn't to mock people who may have been in the system and unfortunately um, face negative side effects of it due to uh, incorrect teaching. That's not the goal. Um, but the thing is that for those people who may have depression, anxiety, whatever, due to false teachings of the rapture, um, it's just that, right? It's false teaching. It's not true. It's not biblically accurate. If they're taught correctly, if they're and they understood it correctly, it should lead to joy, it should lead to hope, not anxiety, not fear. Um, Bible prophecy should prepare us, as we often say, right? Not scare us. So if someone is uh, talking about prophecy, learn about Bible prophecy, and they're scared, uh, they're worried about something, there's something there. It's either the teacher that they're getting their, their information from is incorrectly teaching it, or it's either they're not correctly understanding it and they need to be led correctly concerned what the Bible says about this. Um, and I think this is the almost the last thing here. Next, they said the concept of rapture, known theologically as dispensational premillennialism. And I was kind of confused there because the rapture isn't known theologically as dispensational premillennialism. The rapture is just known as the rapture. Dispensational premillennialism, however, is just, uh, uh, I don't want to say sect. It's kind of like a, a group, right? So we have... Premillennialists, postmillennialists, amillennialists, uh, dispensationalism is, is one theological belief system. So it's like a belief system we can call it, just to kind of sum it up simply. Um, so dispensational premillennialism is like a belief system within Christianity. Um, just like the post-trib rapture is a belief system within the rapture, right? So the rapture would fit into dispensational premillennialism, but the rapture isn't known theologically as dispensational theologically premillennialism if that makes sense so they that was just weird on their part i'm not sure what they meant there but the wording there is weird so the concept of the rapture known theologically as dispensational premillennialism is not prevalent catholic or mainline protestant denominations like episcopalianism or presbyterianism 
as most commonly adhered to in evangelical and fundamental churches. This line of theology, now note this, this line of theology draws heavily upon a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians, including the Bible, that says believers in Jesus would be snatched or seized in the air. Interpretations of this verse vary wildly among Christian leaders, many of whom see it as a common example of poetic metaphor among Paul's writings. And I really want to see who these people are that are interpreting Paul talking about catching up in the air and the Lord coming with the sound of a trumpet out the voice of our archangel as poetic metaphor. And we're going to cover that, by the way, biblically speaking. So, however, this striking imagery forms the basis of a lot of modern ideas about the rapture. So much so, Slate says, it's not uncommon for people with religious trauma to report having a fear of heights as they imagine their final ascent. So again, not mocking these people who have this trauma, but unfortunately, they got this trauma from false beliefs, false teaching, incorrect teaching, um, not correctly understanding what the scripture says about this. Um, so they reference here um, Thessalonians, right? What are they talking about? So we get the rapture from two places, actually three places, um, in terms of where we go to for the proof text, main proof text of the rapture. Um, the first place they're referencing here is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. So Paul says, but we do not want to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as we do, as do the rest of we, who have no hope. Sorry. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up and together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So, I'll go back to the article and read what they just said concerning that scripture we just read. Concerning 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, they said, this line of theology draws heavily upon a letter from Apostle Paul to Thessalonians. Interpretations is versed very widely among Christian leaders, many of whom see it as a common example of poetic metaphor. So, I mean, I can't even begin to explain how incorrect that is. To call what Paul says here concerning poetic metaphor means you have to completely take out the context, the historical context, the passage, what it means, uh, just basic plain hermeneutics in terms of the language being used here. I mean, if there's there's a total difference between the Psalms, like the Lord owns, you know, 99 hills, 100 hills of the Lord or something like that. That's poetry. That's poetic. That's poetry that we see from the Psalms, poetic language they see from the Psalms. But here, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, 18, we don't see that language. What's going on here is that fellow believers have passed on in Thessalonica, and he wrote a letter to them because they're like, hey, Paul, you've talked to us about the rapture. What happens to those who have passed on? Are they a part of the rapture? So he tries to encourage them, right? He says, hey, about those, you don't have to worry. For when the Lord comes, they will actually rise up first, then we will be glorified, we'll be caught up in the air, we'll be with them forever. And then in verse 18, he says something key. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. So it wouldn't make any sense at all for Paul to write a letter to actual people who are grieving their lost ones, who are saying, hey, Paul, are they going to be part of this rapture event that you talked to us about? For him to use some type of poetic metaphor concerning an event that's never going to happen, to then say in verse 18, 
comfort yourself with these words concerning a poetic metaphor I just gave you that's never going to happen. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and again, this is why I want to go through this because some Christians might, um, you know, read this. Christians who don't know much about prophecy, they might read this and might shake their faith, shake the understanding of what scripture says. Um, that's why I say it's key, guys. Correct, you know, about prophecy that's correctly taught and correctly understood leads to joy, peace, um, leads to holy living, right? We, under, we want to understand these things correctly. And it's part of the enemy's game plan to shake us up, to give us fear, to, you know, basically go back to the garden, right? Did God really say? To question God. Did God really say? Um, so that's, I mean, again, we could spend all day analyzing this, analyzing why they're incorrect there, but that's just one basic thing. That line of argument just doesn't make sense from the context, historical context, um, just the plain words of scripture here, hermeneutics, everything, right? It doesn't make any sense. And 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 54, Paul talks about the rapture again. So again, you know, if you make the case that in 1 Thessalonians 4, he's using poetic language, you'll have to make the case in 1 Corinthians 15 as well. He's somehow using poetic language there too. Um, then you really have to make a case. Why is Paul talking about the same event as if it's a literal event? And he's saying, he's talking about this as if it's some poetic language that's, you know, it's not an actual event. So that doesn't make any sense. But most importantly, guys, most importantly, beyond what Paul is, even if we don't have what Paul says, we have what Jesus says, right? And I think that should matter the most. Because he says uh, in 1 Thessalonians 14, um, let's see here. Just find it. Okay, so in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians four, verse fifteen, Paul says something interesting. He says, "For this we say to you by the word of the Lord." Then he talks about the rapture, right? So, what's the word of the Lord? He's basically referencing what Jesus Christ already said. He's just expounding more, giving us more detail. But what Jesus says will happen. So, in John fourteen, verse one to three, Jesus says this about a future event that's going to happen. Jesus says, "Do not let your heart be troubled." Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If we're not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be, or there you may be also. So if you want to go to 1 Thessalonians 4 and say Paul was using poetic language, uh, this event about you know the Lord coming from the air, believers raising from the dead, uh, us being caught up together with them. And that's all poetic. It's not going to actually happen. You'll have to make the same case for 1 Corinthians 15. Not only that, you'll have to say, make the same case for John 14 as well. You have to go to John 14 and say, you know what? Jesus was using poetic language there. Why? Because Paul, as he's talking about the rapture, he got that from Jesus. All he's doing is just expounding upon what Jesus already said concerning John 14. So you'll have to go to John 14 and make the case that somehow Jesus wasn't actually talking about an actual future event where he's going to take us to his dwelling place, where he's going to take us to the Father's house. He's just using poetic metaphor. Poetic metaphor for what? It's that, that you know, that ball's in the court for people making that case. So that doesn't make any sense at all. And just makes it clear in verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If we're not so, I would have told you. So meaning that he's basically saying here, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. This, this is a poetic metaphor. This is as plain as words can get, right? Um, and, and again, verse three, if I go and prepare a place for you, 
well, where's that place? Where's his father's house? In heaven. If I go, meaning ascension, right? After resurrection, Jesus Christ is sent back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. If I go and prepare a place for you in heaven, I will come and again receive you to myself. Well, how does he do that? Where do we see that explained to us? 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. Do you guys see how all this is connected together? Uh, and this is what CNN isn't explaining to you. Uh, this is what the mockers and naysayers aren't. So they're not walking you through the Bible trying to discount these things. They're just making random statements of this poetic metaphor. Um, this isn't true. They're not giving you this background here that's so important. But anyways, I digress. Um, the next thing here, the last thing here. This last quote from the CNN article says, uh, A joy, there's this person who they're saying has this rapture anxiety. A joy who still identifies as a Christian first questioned rapture theology when she was in her late teens after discovering that the word rapture doesn't appear in the Bible at all. And guys, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we get that argument, right? It's just the classic argument. And and I just want to read an article to you that basically just addresses this quickly, right? And we'll move on. Uh, this is an article by Bible.org. They say this, Rapture is a state or experience of being carried away. The English word comes from a Latin word, rapio, which means to cease or snatch in relation to an ecstasy or spirit or the actual removal from one place to another. In other words, it means to be carried away in spirit or in body. The rapture of the church means the carrying away of the church from earth to heaven. The Greek word from this term rapture is derived, uh, appears in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, translated caught up. The Latin translation of this verse used the word rapturo. The Greek word it translates is arpazo, which means to snatch or take away. Elsewhere, it is used to describe how the spirit caught up Philip near Gaza and brought him to Syria. That's Acts 8.39. So essentially, what is this article saying? The article is saying that, yeah, okay, we don't see this English word rapture found in the Bible. So what? What is actually going on in 1 Thessalonians 4 is that when Paul is saying we're going to be cut up to meet the Lord in the air, he used the word harpazo. When the Bible is translated to Latin Vulgate, um, what Latin Vulgate just means uh, common language for the commoners so they can read it, they use the word, they didn't use harpazo because that's Greek, right? They translate to Latin, they translate to rapturo. Now when we translate to English, we get rapture. So that's what's going on there. So the, the argument that I don't believe in the rapture or the rapture is false because in the English you don't see the word rapture. That that's just not that's not a good argument at all. And also we can translate that to anything, right? Trinity. Well, the word Trinity is in the Bible. Is the Trinity false? Well, that's not true because we see the Trinity described to us in the Bible. Bible is in the Bible. So what do we do there? So it's just not a great argument at all, guys. Um, we just have to be careful of those things. And that's why I wanted to take the time. I took a lot of time on this, but I'm not, you know, I'm not um, worried about that. I'm not remorseful about doing that because I think it's important. And I also want to touch on something else quick before we move on. Um, as I went through that, and again, the article is long. I only touched on just four pieces of that, uh, of that article that I thought was more, most important to me. Um, but something else that's significant here, again, is that this article, these types of articles, this type of behavior, this mindset is mocking, right? It's mocking, it's scoffing concerning the Lord's promise. And that's actually a fulfillment of prophecy, right? It's prophesied that, that will happen in the last days. And that's in 2 Peter 3. So 2 Peter 3, um, starting from verse 1, it says, 
This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Now, this is where Peter gets into um, the last days, concerning the scoffers, the mocking. And he says in verse 3, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Verse 8, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow by his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any perish, but for all to come to repentance. So for years and years, and, and sometimes, maybe you guys even too, when I talk to non-believers about the rapture, it's almost as if they're quoting that verse, you know, what Peter says in verse 4 here. Where is the promise of his coming? I've actually seen it. And they say, forever since the fires fell asleep, all continues as it was in the beginning of creation. I've seen people literally almost verbatim quote that verse. And they don't know it, right? They just say, you know, oh, you Christians have been saying the rapture is going to happen. But, you know, my parents and grandparents have died. Where is this Jesus? It's what Peter said is going to happen in the last days. And that's happening. That's what we're seeing in the CNN article. So when we see the CNN article, I understand where the anger is coming from. Um, I don't like seeing the rapture ridiculed and scripture just butchered. Um, but I kind of smile and I just scott, I just kind of roll my eyes and I just laugh and I have fun with it in the sense that I tear it up and I'm like, this is totally false. Don't listen to it. This is what scripture says. And this should show us that, man, the Lord's coming in soon, right? If, if what scripture prophesies concerning this scoffing and mocking, some of we're experiencing now, that's a good sign that, man, we are out of here soon, right? And there's some things I want to note about this, too, concerning this article. Um, the first thing is that the scoffing and mocking shouldn't surprise us, right? It's just outworking of what about prophecy, of what we're seeing these last days. The second thing is what Peter notes here, that while these people are scoffing and mocking, what the world is scoffing at, essentially, is God's mercy towards them, right? Because in verse 9, he says it clear, The Lord is not slow about his promises, some come in slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So the reason the rapture hasn't happened yet, the reason that the world hasn't been burned by fire yet and the world is you know, destroyed and everything, obviously God has a timetable in terms of everything that's going to happen, but he hasn't come for us yet, guys, because he doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. So the world is scoffing at God's mercy towards them, unfortunately. That's, that's sad. And uh, we should pray for those who are blinded by Satan currently so that, that those blinders can be lifted and they can see um, the truth of the gospel, right? And then the third thing here to note is that, and I'm you know running out of time here, so I'm gonna be quick, uh, verses 10 through 12, which uh, 13, which Peter talks about the destruction of the current heavens and earth in the future, that's after the millennium, um, and then the new heavens and new earth, um, essentially, and what he's saying here, and especially uh, verse 7 as well, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction on godly men. The third thing we have to realize, guys, that even though God has grace and he's long-suffering, that's going to end one day. Judgment is coming. So as these people scoff and mock, 
they don't realize that one, they're scoffing and mocking against God's grace towards them. And two, they don't realize that one day they'll be judged for their scoffing, for their mocking, for their unbelief. Um, so that's something they'll have to pray for, um, concern them. They again, they come to the knowledge of Jesus because Jesus died for them too. So that was, that was, that took a long time, but I'm glad I, I was able to go through that. Um, and I want to touch on Harbinger's Daily because again, they did an article on this. Uh, I'll just do a little bit because they, they uh, speak to this from a biblical perspective as well. They, they do a good job on this as well. So Harbinger's Daily, they said, CNN recently posted an article that mocks the rapture by telling someone's story about the anxiety it caused her. This woman, however, does not understand the gospel message, nor what scripture says about our hope in Jesus appearing. I told you guys that, right? I said that, yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, these people that, if they have rapture anxiety, that's unfortunate. I'm not mocking them. That's not the purpose of this. But unfortunately, what got them to that state was false teaching because we just went through scripture, right? We just went through some of these claims and found them lacking. So I don't know if they weren't taught correctly. I don't know if they didn't understand it. I don't know what happened, but somewhere between in that process, there something wrong happened. Um, so that's not what the so what they believe, what they're talking about, what they're what CNN is trying to argue against isn't even what the Bible is actually saying. All they're doing is just making straw man arguments. Um, so that's what Harbinger's Daily saw, and I'm glad they pointed that out as well. So it continues. Of course, if people think their salvation depends on their good behavior and they never hear about the glories ahead of them in eternity, teachings about a sudden disappearance from all the things they love on earth will scare them. But that is not the gospel, nor is it the gospel hope that we find throughout the New Testament. So uh, they keyed in on that too. They saw, Harbinger's Daily also saw, um, or the original uh, poster of this article, author of this article saw as well that they were basically talking about a work-based system, just like I analyzed, right? They mentioned how, oh, you know, if you if you feel like you have to pray this prayer several times, you have to do good or whatever, that, you know, that'll give you anxiety. Well, sorry to break it to you, or I'm glad to break it to you, right? That's not the gospel, that we can't save ourselves. It, it, what the gospel teaches is that we come together. God is the one who reached down towards mankind to give us the present of salvation, right? To give us this free gift that can be earned. We have to accept it on his terms. It's not something we can work for. So they're getting anxiety based off of a false view. One more thought about the CNN hit piece on the rapture. Perhaps it's an indication that Satan knows Jesus appearing will happen very, very soon and desires to get ahead of the curve by attacking it. All this fierce opposition to our hope means that we must continually rely on Christ for our strength as we cling to the words of scripture. The numerous passages I cite above confirm the rapture biblical event. Don't lose hope. So that's a very important piece as well that I want to note is that as the Lord's appearing draws closer and closer, as the tribulation draws nearer and nearer, Satan knows one thing. Remember, guys, Satan knows Scripture better than any man, right? Uh, when the Lord fasted in the wilderness, who was there to try to tempt him? Who was there to quote Scripture to him? Satan. And of course, we saw that uh, Jesus Christ correctly used Scripture to counteract what Satan was doing. But Satan knows Scripture as well. He knows about prophecy as well. He knows his time is short. That's what Revelation 12 says, right? So as these things get closer and closer, don't be surprised if the devil tries to ramp up his game. Um, that's what we're seeing as well. So don't be surprised as we, you know, if we're seeing the rapture malign more and more, people falling away from it more and more saying that's false, it's not true, it's not in the Bible, just let that be your hope, right? You have to cling to the Lord during these times because 
as these days continue, we're not going to see more and more people cling to the rapture. We're not going to see more and more people believe in the rapture that Jesus Christ come back. We're going to see less people believe in it. We're going to become more and more of the minority, right? Um, so we just have to encourage ourselves um, that one day it's going to happen. Let's not grow weary doing good. Um, let's trust in Jesus' words. Because ultimately, I went back to John 14, right? Jesus was the one who promised us that he'll take us to his father's house where there's many dwelling places. He says, if it was not so, I would have told you. So he's not lying. He's telling the truth. Um, so we have to put our trust in what Jesus says. Okay, so <laughs> that was a long portion of it, but I'm glad I got through that. So moving on, I want to move on to something else that's important here. Um, and that's, I want to focus kind of on fear um, and just making sure we counteract that with scripture. So specifically here, fear surrounding, um, you know, what's going on with Ukraine and Putin and, and U.S. and talks of World War III and, and nuclear, you know, uh, Armageddon and things like this. What do we do with that? Because I'm sure, you know, some of us might read that and be like, oh my gosh, is, you know, they're using words like Armageddon and, and you know, actual nuclear world war and things like, is that going to happen? What does the Bible say about that? So we want to make sure we think about these things correctly so that we're not caught off guard, so we're not afraid um, unnecessarily and things like this. We want to make sure we're viewing these things correctly. Um, so the Guardian posted an article, and multiple news sources posted this article too, but I'm quoting from the Guardian here. Uh, they posted an article titled, Biden warns world would face, quote, Armageddon, if Putin used a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. So Joe Biden has warned the world would face Armageddon if Vladimir Putin used a tactical nuclear weapon to try to win the war in Ukraine. The U.S. president made his most outspoken remarks to date about the threat of nuclear war at a Democratic fundraiser in New York, saying it was the closest the world had come to nuclear catastrophe for six years. He said, quote, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis, he said, Quote, we've got a guy I know fairly well, Biden said, referring to the Russian president. Quote, he's not joking when he talks about a potential use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons because the military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. Putin and his officials have repeatedly threatened to use Russia's nuclear arsenal in an effort to deter the U.S. and its allies from supporting Ukraine and helping it resist the all-out Russian invasion launched in February. If Russia uses did use a nuclear weapon, it will leave the U.S. and its allies with a dilemma of how to respond, with most experts and former officials predicting that if Washington struck back militarily, it would most likely be with conventional weapons to try to avert rapid escalation to an all-out nuclear war. But Biden said on Thursday night, I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon and not end up with Armageddon. So he's basically saying that he doesn't believe it's going to be easy. If Putin uses tactical nuclear weapons, he doesn't believe that in that situation, it's going to be easy to avoid Armageddon, a.k.a. a all-out nuclear war, right? Uh, I'm just going to quote another article here and then kind of look at this biblically. Why does this matter? Why am I talking about this? Um, so Daily Star, Putin mobilizes Poseidon nuclear submarine that can drown cities in radioactive tsunamis. Uh, the first time I've actually heard about a, quote, radioactive tsunami is this past week. I never even knew this was a thing. So it's like, man, the kind of weapons we have as human beings that could totally just devastate large amounts of population is just is just insane. So article says NATO, NATO has warned that Russian President Vladimir Putin has mobilized the terrifying Poseidon nuclear submarine, which is capable of drowning entire cities in radioactive tsunamis. An, an intelligence note sent to NATO countries warned the K-329 
Belogorod nuclear submarine have been deployed, and on board is the underwater drone Poseidon. The Russian weapon is a giant nuclear-capable torpedo that has the potential to cause radioactive tsunamis to coastline cities, with one Putin mouthpiece saying it has the potential to, quote, plunge Britain into the depths of the sea. So if the tsunami wasn't enough, right, um, we would have a radioactive tsunami. So I'm thinking a tsunami which would be infected by radioactive material, which would be even deadlier, right? You wouldn't just have the, the fear of drowning, but the fear of also being infected by radioactive material, right, which would which would be horrible. So I never knew that was a thing. But why am I bringing this up? Why does this matter? What does this mean? Again, I'm bringing this up to talk about fear, right? How should we handle these things? Because again, as we continue, as time goes on, as the longer the longer we're here, we're gonna see more and more articles like this. We're gonna see more and more events going on in the world. People saying World War III, nuclear war, and all these things. It's not gonna end, guys. It's gonna continue. So how should we brace for this news? How should we look at this news? How should we handle it? One, it's what Jesus says we should be expecting because they're in the last days, right? So again, if we understand what the Bible says about the last days, that's why we're here talking about what, doing what we're doing, right? That's why Fix Your Watchers is a thing. Uh, that's why my personal ministry, Himitsu Studies, is a thing to look at what the Bible says concerning the last days. Use that lens, that biblical lens, to then analyze the current events, right? So that we can, you know, properly have and understand these things, not be fearful, uh, be encouraged, all those things. So one, the Bible talks about, or just talks about wars and rumors of wars, right? Uh, in these last days. So we see that in Matthew 24. Um, in verse one, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which not be torn down. And that's what started the conversation. Verse three, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things happen. And will be the sign you're coming of the end of the age. Verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. That's our key term right there, right? See that you are not frightened. I'll repeat that. You will hear, be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. Why? Why should we not be frightened for these things, concerning these things? For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. That's Jesus speaking. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And ultimately, the ultimate fulfillment of this, I believe, is in the tribulation. If you read what Jesus talks about here, and then go to Revelation 6 and read the first four seals, and even I think the fifth and sixth seal, um, judgments, you'll see that it matches very well. So I believe that the ultimate fulfillment of the birth pangs just talking about is in the tribulation, but we are definitely seeing the shadows of that right now. But again, the focus here is wars, rumors of wars. You said it's going to happen. We're seeing that right now, right? War in Ukraine, Russia, um, different wars around the world, and then rumors of wars. Hey, World War Three? Are we going to have a new all-out nuclear war? All these things people are speculating. But he said, "Do not be frightened." That's a that's a command or exhortation by Jesus. Do not be frightened by these things. Why? They have to take place. It's just going to happen. That's what the Lord declares is going to happen. But it's not the end. So that's another thing I want to paint uh, or I want to uh, express to you guys that as Biden gets up there or any world leader, anybody gets up there and they're saying, that, oh my gosh, this could lead to Armageddon. 
Well, Armageddon takes place at Christ's second coming. So it's not literally going to lead to Armageddon. Uh, so that's not what they're talking about. What they're essentially talking about is that it's going to lead to the end of the world. It's going to lead to the full destruction of the world. Well, is that true? Well, no. Why? Because he just says that's not the end. That's merely the beginning of sorrows, right? It gets worse and worse, but that's in the tribulation. So why I present this, guys, that when you go around doing your day-to-day -day business, whatever you're doing, uh, as we continue living our lives in these last days, for however long we have left, whether days, you know, weeks, months, years, who knows, the Lord knows, and you stumble upon these articles, you stumble upon people, you know, asking you like, oh, you know, Putin and Russia and, and you know, Ukraine, do you think there's going to be World War Three? Do you think it's going to be the end of the world? Don't freak out. Don't worry about it. Don't be frantic because you have to remember what Jesus' words are. You have to remember what the Bible says the last days will look like. That these things are prophesied. They're going to happen, but it's not the end. It's not going to lead to Armageddon. It's not going to lead to the destruction of the world. So don't fear. Um, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy verse one, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Or other translations say sound mind. Um, so if you're afraid, you know, that's not of the Lord. Um, if you're afraid, just get back to the Lord, you know, pray over it. Um, read Matthew 24, see what Jesus says himself, read Jesus' promises. We can trust in the Lord, right? He's not lying to us, he's true. So if he said it's not the end yet, even if you hear about these things, then it's not the end. We can trust him, that we can rely on that, right? Um, so that's very important. And that's something that I just want to leave with you guys. Because there's even another article here, Yahoo News. North Korea conducts longest range missile test yet over Japan. Um, so they did that. So there's all these crazy things going on. I mean, we get news concerning the Middle East, you know, with Hezbollah and in Israel with the, the gas, uh, with the news relating to gas fields and things like that. And how well, if Israel continues, it's going to be a war with Israel and Hezbollah. And there's Iran and there's all these different things. And we have, and there's China and Taiwan, right? So there's so much going on, guys. So much that you know, we can't even wrap our heads around most of the time, that we don't even know what's going on most of the time. We can't keep track of it all the time. And we have to make sure we're not freaking out, we're not scared, uh, because God said, you know, just said, it's not the end. These are only beginning sorrows. And again, this ultimately has, it's fulfillment the tribulation. We're merely seeing the shadows, but as things ramp up, it shows that we're getting closer and closer to the tribulation. And why that should be encouraging to us is not that we want to see people get killed, we want to see destruction, but for us believers, what that shows is that the rapture, which comes before the tribulation, is even faster approaching, right? And that's that's awesome because that's what we hope for, right? We want to love the Lord's appearing. We get a crown for loving the Lord's appearing. We should want to be out of here because <laughs> I'm I'm personally tired of the world. I don't know I don't know about you guys. I'm personally tired of it. But while we're still here, we have to redeem the time. We have to be about the Lord's business. Um, this is the passage I focused about with you guys earlier. That hey. The night is almost done. It's almost day. You know, we're, we're almost out of here. We got to keep running this race. We got to make sure we're living holy. Got to make sure um, we're still doing what we need to be doing. We got to live, one, as if the Lord can come today, right? If we live as if the Lord can come today, we'll be passionate about the Lord. We'll be sharing the gospel as if it's our last day here. Um, we'll be busy about the things of the Lord, but we all will also live as if we'll be living out our natural lives. So just because the Lord could come right now, or tomorrow or next week, and that's true, doesn't mean that we should abandon our responsibilities. Doesn't mean we shouldn't plan to finish school. Doesn't mean we shouldn't want to get married. Doesn't mean we shouldn't, you know, want to 
continue our lives and enjoy our lives. We want to make sure we have a balance there. Um, so I hope that helps you guys out. Um, yeah, but there's so much news, guys, that you know I couldn't focus on today. Maybe I'll focus on tomorrow. Um, one, <laughs> Daily Star, Metaverse children to replace real kids by 2050 and help with overpopulation. So um, news about that. Uh, Anti-Semitism, Israel 35 News. UC Berkeley Lost School Blasted for Jew-Free Zones Dean Denies Allegation. Uh, Federal Reserve Announces Major Pollard Exercise for ESG Social Credit. So just so much stuff, guys, we couldn't get to. But I wanted to focus on the CNN article concerning uh, the rapture and how they maligned it and totally, you know, just totally messed it up, butchered scripture. Um, and then the thing with um, Russia and Ukraine and, you know, is there going to be World War Three or nuclear war and things like that. Just focus on the fear, to not give in to the fear, um, to not be afraid. Um, Jesus promised us these things, guys, and we can't, we can't fear. Uh, so with that, I'll just wrap things up again as I presented in the beginning. Uh, we talk about these news events for two reasons, um, not exhaustive, but at least two reasons. One is to encourage fellow Christians to use all this news to say that, hey, we shouldn't be afraid. What this means is that Jesus Christ is coming soon, so therefore be joyful, be happy. And that's how we should approach the rapture, right? Not, you know, this stuff shouldn't give us rapture anxiety. I'm not anxious sitting in the corner of my room, you know, rocking myself to sleep in tears, right? Or, or whatever. Um, what this does, because I correctly understand what the Bible says about the last days, and I've been correctly taught what the Bible says concerning the last days. Again, the key here is correctly taught, correctly understood. I have hope. I have joy. I'm striving to live a holy life according to God's word. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but at least that's what I'm striving to, right? I'm comparing myself with scripture. What does scripture say? What do I need to improve? What do I need to give to the Lord? So that's the proper way to look the rapture about prophecy. Two, for those who are listening to this, uh, those in your lives you know who aren't believers, we talk about these news events and we present these news events to non-believers, to non-Christians, to point them to Christ. Ultimately, about prophecy, as Revelation 19.10 says, ultimately prophecy points to Christ. So I would fail personally if I talked about these things and just said, okay, bye, you know, have a good night. Ultimately, you know, I have to give the gospel. I have to point it back to Christ. That's what this all is about Christ. And we shouldn't get lost in the minutia of it all, right? As exciting as it is to talk about, you know, oh, could this be the mark of the beast technology and the third temple and all these things, ultimately our focus should be on Christ, right? That's where our hope lies. That's where the focus should be on. So if you're not a believer, if you haven't, you know, believed in the Lord's sacrifice, you're here. And again, if you're, if someone sent this link to you and you don't know, you have no clue why you're listening to me, you have no clue what this is about, what the rapture is or whatever, I just want to encourage you, you know, don't tune out, you know, rewatch this if you need to, look, uh, listen to the other podcasts, um, read scripture, read those verses for yourself, seek the Lord, ask him to reveal himself to you, and he will. Uh, my encouragement to you is that you put your faith in Jesus. Uh, we need Jesus' salvation, right? We need um, to believe on the Lord for all salvation, because the Bible is clear that when we're born into this world, we're born into this world in sin. Um, because we are born to this world in sin, the only thing we have to look forward to is judgment because God is holy, he's just, he has to judge sin as a holy and just God. Um, so that means that when we die apart from God, our ultimate destination is the lake of fire, right? And Revelation 20 shows us that. But God, in his mercy, in his love, he didn't want to leave humanity in that state, right? So he sent his son, 
second member of the Trinity, perfect, never sinned. He sends his son to live sinless, perfect life um, to die on the cross for our sins. So on the cross, Jesus Christ took God's wrath in our place so that when we believe in him, we will have eternal life. Um, and again, eternal life can only be found in Christ. Eternal life is only for those who believe in it. So you have to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. And once you do that, you will have eternal life. Once you do that, you can have the hope that, yes, even though the world is turned upside down, things are getting crazy, Jesus Christ is coming for you too, right? You won't have to be in the tribulation, in the worst period of time that the world uh, that the world is ever going to know, as Jesus says in Matthew 24. Um, so that's our exhortment to you, uh, encouragement to you, that you do that. Um, if you have any questions, you can always message me. You can message Brother Stefan, my partner, who again couldn't join today because of his wife's birthday. So I hope you wish him and his wife well for that. Um, you can message both of us if you have questions concerning salvation, about the Bible, prophecy, anything like that. We're always here to pray for you guys, answer your questions, and equip you as we can. Um, so with that being said, I hope you guys have a very great night. Um, and we will catch you guys, Lord willing, next week. Bye, guys.